0: When IGTV first came out a few years ago, I made a series of short videos to test out the platform. One of them was about why I don't clip coupons. Now it wasn't about why I never use coupons because I definitely do, but it was about why I don't practice the quote, art of couponing, or invest any real time or effort into saving and using coupons. Now, you probably already know why. A lot more wealth can be created by making money than can ever be created by saving money. And so that's where I choose to put my time and my energy is into making money. Now, that doesn't mean don't be frugal. It just means that you can never save your way to wealth. No matter how many coupons you clip, you'll never become a millionaire using that method alone. To become a millionaire, you first have to figure out how to earn at least a million dollars. In this amazing digital age we live in, most of us are aware that we can have machines, computers, and software programs do a lot of work for us. And as entrepreneurs, we're trying to build successful businesses, and that free labor is pretty appealing. So we automate, we look for things that can be done the same way each and every time, and we set up machine systems to do those tasks for us. Now automating can save us time, and by consequence, save us money. Automating can also potentially help us earn more money. After all, if I can make $100 per widget and on my own I can create one widget per hour, then setting up a widget building machine that can create a few more every hour should add more dollars to my bank account faster. Now, In theory, that sounds great, and even in practice, sometimes. But sometimes, the soul of the process is lost when we attempt to create an automated process. For example, it's probably a good thing that Van Gogh didn't try to automate his painting process, delegating the creative work to a robot. Even his paint mixing process was almost certainly better done manually. Now, that might sound like an extreme example because, after all, you probably aren't creating fine art in your business. But even in my own highly digital business, i found that automating often doesn't work out nearly as well as I'd like for it to. Let me give you a few examples. So the first one would be automating content repurposing and sharing. So I'm sure that you've heard the idea of repurposing content. The idea is something like if you're creating one piece of content like a blog post or a video or a podcast, well, why not take that and reformat it into other types of content? So for example, take your blog post and turn it into a video where you just like read it as a script or take your podcast and take excerpts out of your podcast and publish them as audiograms on Instagram or take your blog post and pull out excerpts and use them as captions on Instagram. There are so many different ways that you can repurpose content and I definitely do think it is a good idea sometimes but there have been other times when we tried to automate the process of repurposing. And we would just have a standard procedure that we took one piece of content and we always published it in a different way. An example of this might be if every time I made a video for YouTube, we always stripped the audio out of the video and put it on the podcast as well. Now, even though in general repurposing is a good idea, if we completely automated that process, as we have tried to do in the past unsuccessfully, then what would end up happening is sometimes we would be publishing audio on the podcast that really wasn't suited to an audio only format because sometimes in videos I'm pointing at things. Sometimes I'm showing how to do something. Sometimes I'm holding up a prop. Sometimes the expression on my face is really important to have the viewer understand the point that I'm trying to make and the tone with which I'm trying to make it. And so if we were to automate that entire process of content repurposing, it just wouldn't work very well. And we would not see the best results with a lot of these different platforms that we're trying to use the content on another example of a place in my business where automating hasn't worked out so well is with automating onboarding and training so when you bring a new person onto the team you need to tell them everything that they need to know you need to teach them how to do their tasks but if you automate that entire process to where you just have someone watch a series of videos then again they miss out on the soul of the process they don't really get to know the people in the company and get to know the soul of the mission of the company. They don't feel as included or as, uh, as much a part of the team or as valued as they need to. And also because everyone's role is slightly different, even if we try to have everyone watch the same set of videos, there are a lot of things that we have to just manually teach new people about the nuances of their specific position. Okay, here's another example, automating content strategy. So content strategy is deciding what content you're going to make. What videos will I record next month or what blog posts will I write or what will I publish on Instagram or what will I tweet out on Twitter? That's called content strategy. Now, here's how you could automate content strategy. You could say, okay, we are going to take all of the ideas that come in from the audience, everything that they, every question they ask, every video idea they suggest, and we'll collect all of those and then when we're planning the videos for next month we're just going to do keyword research on all of them and whichever one has the highest volume and the least competition we will make those videos and as a general rule that could kind of get the job done and that could create some pieces of content or at least some ideas for pieces of content that could perform well but here's the thing In order to have a solid content strategy, you really have to have a strategic mind behind it, not just a computer picking topics, not just an automated process picking topics. Because here's the thing, a lot of the time when you try to automate a process, even if you have a human doing it, the human ends up acting like a robot because they are just trying to follow the procedure and do the process in the exact automated method. Of course, sometimes you also have actual computers or software programs doing things for you, and that can cause similar problems. But so the basic idea here is if there's something where someone with a mind needs to be making strategic decisions, intentional decisions based on a reason, then you're going to struggle to automate that process. And that's what I found with content strategy was that I needed to really think about these pieces of content and whether or not they were going to best serve my audience and best serve the business in the sense of, will these really help to educate people about what they need to understand in order to want to purchase our products? Okay, another example of an area where we struggled to automate was with customer service. So at first you might wonder, how do you automate customer service? Well, If you think about it for even a minute, I'm sure that you have been on the brunt end of some automated customer service. I mean, think about when you are trying to call a company, but you get an automated voice service where you're talking to a robot instead of a real human. Isn't that frustrating? That really doesn't serve you as a customer. Now we never got that far, but we definitely wrote a lot of templated email responses that we use in the inbox. And to be quite honest, these things can save a whole lot of time and we still use them to this day. However, when we first started implementing these template email responses, we were using them a lot more stock. What I mean by that is we were just copying and pasting, but we quickly realized that this was not serving the customers as well as we needed to because there was a lot of nuances of their question that were really why they were asking the question. Sure, they might be asking the same thing that dozens of other people before them had asked, but the reason they were asking and not just watching the video or reading what I'd already written on my website was because there was a nuance. There was something that was a little different about their situation and they were wondering if that advice still applied to them. And so that meant that if we were just copying and pasting, then we really weren't helping them solve that problem at all. We had to edit these responses a fair amount to be able to really answer the question that they were truly asking. Okay, and here's one more example of an automated system that I tried to automate that I found didn't serve me as well as I wanted it to, especially in the early stages. And that was automating bill pay. So at first, automating bill pay can seem like a really good thing to automate because All you need to do to pay a bill is just click some buttons and you're going to pay every bill anyway, right? You're not going to be like, oh, you know, I bought that, but I don't really want to pay for it. So I'm not going to pay the bill. You're going to pay every bill. And what you need to do to pay the bill is just click some buttons. So why not automate this? Why not get it off your plate so you don't have to do it yourself? And there's a time and a place for that. And it certainly can save you a little bit of time. But what I found was that the act of paying the bills helped me to be more intentional about the money that I was spending, and helped me to be more aware of the business's financial situation, more so than just reviewing our monthly and quarterly financial reports. That's important too, but it's way too easy to just skim over those and not really think about them, not really internalize them, not really process what the information means, but the act of paying each and every bill allowed me to do that on a deeper level. It allowed me to think about, do we really need to be spending this money in the future? Do I want to continue to use this software or pay for this service? And that helped me to better manage the business's finances. Now, like I said, there is a time and a place for automated bill pay. And as with all of these examples, my main point here is that when you're first starting out with each of these things and you're still working on developing your process, that is when automating can be really dangerous because you can really... Really miss out on the potential for learning the potential for improving your systems if you turn a system into an automated process too soon then you don't get to go through that important very valuable learning experience so that's what i want you to avoid i want you to wait to automate things until you have done them many 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 times yourself and have actually improved the process The episode you're currently listening to was originally offered as a live stream inside Startup Society, our training program for digital entrepreneurs. Each week in the program, Gillian teaches a live workshop for startup members, including a teaching segment like what you're listening to right now, a tutorial segment that demonstrates how to take action on the lesson, and an open Q&A period where Gillian and guest experts work directly with each member. Members also get access to Startup Society's library of business training courses, monthly co-working sessions, and other events, and our private community forum. If you're looking for affordable business training, mentorship, and accountability, then visit StartupSociety.com forward slash podcast to learn more about the program and apply to join. Now here's Gillian with the rest of today's episode. So let me tell you a quick kind of story about what happened when I tried to automate too soon. When I was in the early days of running my business, I thought that an automated sales system was really the way that I needed to go. And to be honest, it wasn't because I had so many different leads that I was struggling to actually talk to each of them individually. And so I needed to work on selling to them in mass. You can probably already see where this is going. I just thought an automated system would sell better. So I thought I needed an automated webinar funnel. I thought I needed automated email responders and that that was how to sell. And And the reason I thought that was because that was what a lot of gurus online were teaching as the way to make sales and the way to make money. So I thought that sounded like a great idea. And I went to work building these automated sales processes. And so basically, I built these complicated sales funnels and gave myself a pat on the back for all the hard work I had done and then sat back and watched absolutely zero sales come in. I did not make a single sale at all from any of the first sales funnels that I built. And I had no idea why. Later on, what I realized was that First of all, there was one big problem. I've talked about this many times, and that was just I didn't have any traffic coming into the funnel. There were no leads to convert into paying customers, and that was just a major oversight on my part. But also, because I was trying to use an automated process before I'd perfected the manual process, the automated process was not proven at all. It hadn't been refined at all. There was no reason why it should work. So I really had to take a big step back, go back to the basics, work on selling really manually. And for me, what that looked like as an introvert, as someone who doesn't really love the idea of jumping on a sales call or having a sales conversation one-to-one was I used email marketing, but I used it in a much more manual way. So instead of building out a big process, what I did was I just created something simple that I wanted to sell And then I sent my email list, individual emails where I sent them live. I didn't turn them into an automated sales system or something like that. Just sent them live. I told people that I had a sale coming up and then when the product went on sale, I told them what the offer was and when it was expiring. And it was a real live sale and I was In it completely. I was in it in the moment. And what I mean by that was, it wasn't a system that I set up and then I stepped back and tried to watch it work. But instead, I was right there. I was sending those emails and I was seeing and reading the responses that came back to me so that I was able to adjust and learn even in that first sales experience that I had. And then I did it again. And then I did it again. And that was what allowed me to finally start making money with my business. But that was never going to happen as long as I was trying to just build a complete system and then step back away from it. Here's the thing that you have to understand is that not only is there that learning experience, but automated sales processes almost always have lower conversion rates. Let me say that again, automated sales processes almost always have lower conversion rates. To this day, even having learned as much as I've learned, if I send out a live broadcast and I offer something for sale, it is going to have a higher conversion rate than if it is an automated email. If I teach a live webinar, I'm going to have a much higher conversion rate than if it's an automated webinar. Typically, the automated version of a sales process converts at about half the rate of the live version of it, the manual version of it. And of course, if you are selling one to one, where you're actually emailing back and forth with an individual or you're having a conversation with an individual, then you're going to see even higher conversion rates. Let me just give you some ballparks on these numbers. Automated sales processes typically are converting between half a percent and two percent, sometimes a little higher, but half a percent to two percent is quite common. On the other hand, a live but mass sales process very often converts between one and 10%. I would say that around 5% is very common for me. So what I mean by that is if I am, for example, selling on a live workshop, around 5% is really common. And then if you are doing that one-to-one individual selling, where you're actually talking to an individual and you're selling to them directly, then you're going to see much higher conversion rates up around the 50% mark. Now, of course, there's a lot of variation there. Depends on what you're selling. It depends on how good your sales system is and how good your messaging is, what you're saying to the person, how well-qualified the person is. You might see sales conversion rates as low as 10% or as high as 90%, but around 50% is pretty common. So the big question for you is are you at a point where you can afford lower conversion rates? What do I mean by that? I mean, is your audience big enough that converting 1% of them is going to be enough to earn the revenue that you want to earn? If you only have 100 people on your email list and you're selling a $10 product, well, then you probably don't want to settle for a 1% conversion rate because in that case, you're probably going to end up only making about $10 per month. On the other hand, If you have 100,000 people on your email list, well, you will make a lot more money by creating some automated sales systems that sell to people in math and sell automatically so that you can convert a smaller percentage of your audience, about 1%, but you'll actually make more sales that way than if you try to talk one-to-one with people because you can only talk one-to-one with so many people. So... What I want you to understand here is that automating sales isn't just about your dedicated sales process. It also has to do with content creation, customer service, and interacting with your audience. So for the last few minutes here, I've been talking pretty specifically about sales systems, sales funnels, those automated email systems or that one-to-one conversation you have via email. But when you're running a business, especially an online business, your sales systems are much wider than that. The content that you create on Instagram, on YouTube, on your website, on Twitter, even on Pinterest, okay, all that content is part of your sales process. It is attracting people into your sales funnel and it's it is educating people and moving them closer to being interested in making that purchase. It's also your customer service. Your customer service is a huge part of your sales systems, especially when you start automating things a little bit more and you start scaling things a little bit more and you're selling in mass. And the reason I say that is because when you're selling really directly, you might not even think of that as customer service exactly. You're just having conversations with people. But once you start scaling and you're talking to a lot more people and maybe you hire some people to help you out with customer service, then it definitely becomes this thing. Customer service, okay? And so how can you keep the soul in that, not over-automate it, not turn it into a robot process? Because customer service is going to be a big part of what converts people into customers, And then finally, interacting with your audience. That's a part of your sales process as well. If you just create content and put it out there and then you never interact with people at all, the people who are consuming your content, then you're missing out on a big opportunity to make that connection with them in the comments section below your content so that you can really establish rapport with them, answer questions they have. And of course, there's a lot of crossover there with customer service as well. So. If you're thinking about what to automate, and maybe you were thinking about creating an automated sales process because you thought, well, sales is maybe the area of my business I really need to work on, and if I automate my sales process, then I can generate more sales faster. There is merit to automating sales processes and we get into that a lot more in our validate program where we kind of figure out how to automate your sales process earlier on but as a general rule before you're ready to automate sales there are a few other things that I would highly recommend you try to automate first you work on automating first the first one is your to-do list <laughs> so here was where I discovered was a big area in my business and really in my entire life where I had things slipping through the cracks my to-do list. It was a long laundry list. Initially, I just had everything on one long to-do list. And I found myself always avoiding certain things because it just felt like the wrong time to do them. I didn't feel like I was quite ready. And I didn't really know what I needed to do to be ready. Now, the real problem here was that I because everything was on a long list, there were some things that were a little bit overwhelming for me. Maybe there were more moving pieces or I didn't quite know where to start with them. And so I always just felt like, oh, I can't do that today. I can't do that right now. I don't have the things I need. So I'd put them off, but they were some of the most important things I needed to do in my business. So the way that I automated my to-do list was I used a more structured system. The system I use and love is Asana, but I know that there are other systems out there at this point that are fairly similar, like Notion or ClickUp that a lot of other people like as well. But using one of these project management systems can help you to keep all of your projects much more organized and can help you to really build out each task into a small project, which can really reduce the overwhelm. So instead of having a task on your to-do, List that is overwhelming and is just too big, you can break it down into a lot of smaller steps. And the way that these project management software is going to really help you to automate things is by having due dates attached to each of your tasks and having them automatically pop into your to-do today list on the correct day. And that means that you don't have to look at this big scary to-do list, but instead you have predetermined exactly what work you should do today and you can really get that work done a lot more easily and with a lot less overwhelm. Another thing that I'd recommend that you work on automating is your processes themselves. So the processes that you're currently doing, how can you create a more automated system so that each time you do it, you can do it more efficiently? I want you to work on, first of all, creating the process. And you can do this either by writing down your process or by filming a video. And what's really cool about creating these processes, which are called SOP, Standard Operating Procedures, is that it will not only help you to really get yourself clarity on how you want to do the process so that you can do it faster and faster each time and really kind of learn how to become more efficient with the process, but also spend less time and energy on making decisions. But also as your business starts to grow, you'll be able to hand those processes that you've documented, those standard operating procedures, SOPs, to your new team members. And that can serve as a big part of their training which means that you'll have to spend a lot less time training these new people who are working for you. And that means that you will have that time to continue to complete your tasks yourself and you won't be spread so thin by onboarding new people. So those are the first two and most important things I would recommend you work on automating before you start trying to automating other processes in your business like your sales systems. Now, here are two more bonus things that you can work on automating after you've done those first two things. The next one would be the publishing process. So not the content creation process, but after a piece of content is created. For example, after you've written a blog post, there are typically a lot of different little things you have to do to actually put it on your website. You have to create a new post, you have to put the words that you wrote into that post, and then you have to format them. Maybe you have to create some images and put them in there. There and configure different settings. And I found when I was blogging consistently that I might spend a few hours writing a blog posts, but I spend at least one more hour just publishing the blog post. And so this is where automating can really come in handy. Now, when I say automating here, I don't necessarily mean handing it over to a machine. This specific task is better done by a person, but by creating a specific process, a standard process, and then hiring someone to help you, you'll be able to automate that task in your business but automate by a human. And this is because, or the reason why this task is a good one to automate is because typically there doesn't need to be a whole lot of human touch or intentionality or strategy behind how a piece of content gets published. This is something that typically will get done the same way each and every time that it happens. Another thing that you might automate, and this one could be done by a machine, a software, or a human, and that is data tracking. You don't necessarily need to track all the data yourself. If you're tracking things like your website visitors, or clicks on your Instagram profile, or even your finances, all of those things can be done by algorithms. There are different softwares you can use to track those different things. I'm not going to get into all of that right now because very different softwares for depending on which type of data you are tracking. But there are definitely softwares that can do that for you, or you could have someone on your team do that. It's a really simple thing to outsource. However, this is last on my list of things to outsource when you're first starting out or automate when you're first starting out. Because as I mentioned earlier on, a lot of the times touching the data yourself, whether that is physically paying your bills yourself or whether that is even recording your website analytics yourself can really help you to be more in touch with them and to be more aware of what's happening in your business which is invaluable for you to learn and improve. However, there will come a point when there are more valuable things to do with your time than to just track those numbers and that's when having someone help you out with those things using a standard operating procedure can come in really handy. Okay. And so as I think you've probably understood, but I just want to like say this really clearly, I want you to keep in mind that when your business is small, delegating can often have a similar impact to automating. If you're not employing someone for enough hours or for a high enough rate to fully own a process, then they won't be able to give enough attention to create human results. So what I mean by this is if you try to delegate a task and you think, okay, this task shouldn't be automated, I need that human touch here, I need someone to really think about this. So you delegate it to someone. But when you're first starting out, a lot of the times what people do, what I did, is you're delegating to someone who only works for you for a few hours a week. It's a virtual assistant or someone in a similar sort of position, and you don't have a whole lot of money to spend on them. So they're just working for you five or 10 hours per week. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's completely all right. But the problem comes when you try to delegate tasks to them that need that human touch. Because when someone is working for you for only a few hours per week, they don't have enough extra time to spend on your business to give things that thoughtful approach that maybe they need. Now, there are plenty of tasks that people who are only working for you for a few hours per week can do. We already mentioned a few of them, things like managing your to-do list or publishing content for you. And there are some other things as well, but there are other processes that need that human touch that you will want to continue to own yourself until you have someone on your team who's working for you for at least 15 or 20 hours per week so that they have enough time and mental space to be able to really think about it. So when you are thinking about delegating things, you'll want to make sure that you are delegating either entire responsibilities or just those really simple tasks that don't necessarily need that human touch. So to wrap this all up, I want you to take a look at your to-do list and ask yourself what impact the human touch is having on each of your tasks. So of the things that you need to do as you're thinking about, okay, I've got too much on my plate. What can I outsource? Look at those things on your to-do list and think about What impact that human touch is having on each of them? Now, maybe for some of them, the human touch is having no impact. And maybe for others, the human touch is the entire thing. Like that is what the task is, is you thinking about something, you making a plan, you deciding what direction to go with the company. That's 100 percent the human touch. And your mind has to do that work. But most things are going to fall somewhere in the spectrum. So you could rate them on a scale of one to five, but you can also think about, you know, what are the impacts that that human touch is having? If a robot did this task, what would be missing from the process? And that is when you can start to really understand for yourself, which things are good candidates for automating now. The things that could just as easily be done by a robot are the things that you can go ahead and automate or delegate immediately. know that there's a lot to think about about this topic. So I hope that you guys have a wonderful productive rest of your week and that you're able to spend a little bit of time thinking about those questions and maybe take a look at your to-do list, Rate the different things based on how automated they could be, how much that human touch is impacting them, think about the impact that the human touch is having on them, and what you can automate. That can be a big takeaway from this episode. After you do that process, what is one thing that you want to automate or maybe one thing that you did automate that you realize you need to take back on your plate so that you can really get the results with it that you want. All right. Well, that is everything for today. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. If you found this episode helpful and you would like to participate live in future recording sessions, then be sure to visit startupsociety.com podcast to learn more about all the benefits of membership and apply to join. And finally, it would be a big help if you left Work Less, Earn More, a review on Apple Podcasts. Not only will this help us reach more people, but it's also going to give you the chance to potentially win a 12-month membership to Startup Society. All you need to do to enter is post your review on Apple Podcasts, then email a screenshot to contact at gillianperkins.com. Thanks again so much for listening. Now, let's wrap this up. I'm Gillian Perkins, and until next week, stay focused and take action.